0: Dueling Eagles. Written by Chad Claybo, Read by Derek Durlam. Produced by Studio Conundrum. Copyright 2017. Chad Claybo. Chapter 43 Both of the guards had been bound and gagged, and Kevin was standing ready. All right, said Ned. We need to get moving. We're all going to walk out of here and head back to the car. Kevin cut him loose, but keep him covered. Ned motioned to Alonzo. Yes, sir. Ned now looked directly at Alonzo. Kevin here is going to be right behind you during our walk. Keep in line and don't call out to anyone, or we'll assume you've turned against us. And don't think I won't put a bullet in you if I have to. The mission is to bring you back alive, but if it looks like you're compromising it, I'll do what I need to. I understand. Just as they had cut him free, they heard noise outside. Let's get out of here, said Ned. The rest of the group followed him as he retreated out the back door, over the fence, and back into the yard next door. By the time they made it to the street, Ned could see that a group of people had gathered at the front of the building. He contemplated crossing to the other side of the street before heading south again, but thought it might look too conspicuous. They walked back toward the river, past the crowd of people, when suddenly, a large explosion sounded to the east, and then another to the north, and another. The crowd went silent. Then Ned heard one voice in the crowd, Los Yankees están llegando. That's right, thought Ned. The Yanks are coming. Chapter 44 They continued to walk south toward the river. The sound of American artillery had almost assured that no one would be looking for them. The general disorganization of the camp had descended into complete chaos. Ned was at first concerned that they might be viewed as walking in the wrong direction, but it seemed as if most of the CLA soldiers were also heading back across the river. It was as if somebody had ordered a mass retreat, even though no one had. They made their way quickly back to the car and started driving away from the dam and back toward Lisa's home. Do you hear that? asked Alonzo. Ned stopped the car and listened. Do you mean the quiet? Yes. The artillery stopped, said Ned. Why? That's a good question. Ned got out of the car and took the satellite phone out of his pocket. He started calling the number for his military handler when he noticed the sound of rushing water. He looked toward the sound and saw the canal where the Esequia Madre ran. It was raging now, and it looked like it was rising. The water was early. Chapter 45 After speaking briefly to his handler, Ned got back into the car. By now, the water was nearly past the banks of the canal. What's going on? asked Lisa. I could only hear half the conversation, but it sounds like the American army's retreated. It has. And the water's here early? It is. So what's going on? asked Lisa again with even more urgency in her voice. You remember from our briefing earlier that there were two major diversion dams not too far upstream from El Paso, the Leesburg and the Mesilla? Yes, I remember. They weren't supposed to stop the water. They didn't. But what did happen was that debris in the river caused a temporary blockage at both of those sites. What kind of debris? asked Lisa. Ned shrugged. Trees, bushes, parts of houses. It could be anything. I imagine there are a lot of tumbleweeds. Anyway, the blockage stopped the water, at least temporarily. Then, when the dams finally did fail, the water had more hydraulic power. So the water moved faster, said Kevin from the back seat. ''That's right,'' said Ned. ''The water moved faster. That's why it's already here. But the real problem is that the same thing is happening at the site of the American Dam.'' ''Then the water will be moving fast again,'' said Lisa. ''Not just fast,'' said Ned. ''That dam's only two miles upstream from here, so the water will be moving destructively fast. Probably fast enough to immediately overtop the International Dam.'' ''And that's where the battle was going on,'' said Lisa. And that's why the Americans retreated. Then aren't we heading the wrong direction? Asked Lisa, suddenly realizing that they were driving back toward the dam. There are still hundreds of people at that site, said Ned. And with the Americans retreating, the CLA soldiers might decide to dig in. I want to give them a fighting chance before the flood hits. What about my people? Asked Kevin. Do they know about this? They should, replied Ned. Captain Smith is still with them. They've taken the CLA headquarters, and that area's on higher ground. They should be fine. And what about us? asked Alonzo. How are we going to be fine if we get caught up in a flood? There's high ground just south of the dam. We should be okay, as long as we get there in time. They arrived back at the dam. The Acequia Madre was nearly pouring out of its canal. When they moved from the lower side of the dam to the upper side, they could see that the reservoir was already nearly full. Ned knew that even without the raging water that was coming, the dam would soon fail, just from the pressure of all the water. It was never designed to hold back such a volume of water. It had only been built to divert water into the Acequia Madre. The gates should really be open to avoid failure, but it didn't really matter. Not with the flood coming. Ned drove the car back below the dam and as close to the riverbed as he dared. There were still CLA soldiers crossing the riverbed in both directions. He held the radio microphone up and looked at Lisa, Kevin, and Alonzo. Who wants to make the announcement? I don't think they'll take me seriously with the American accent. Let me do it, said Alonzo. They're my soldiers. Do you know what to say? Alonzo nodded. Ned flipped the dashboard switch to activate the PA system and held the microphone up for Alonzo, whose hands were bound. Go ahead. This is Colonel Alonzo Madero. There is an immediate threat of flood. "'The gringos are in retreat because of the danger. "'Evacuate the area immediately. "'Get to higher ground or seek temporary shelter. "'Spread word to the command headquarters. "'I repeat.'" Alonzo repeated the message three times. It looked like the soldiers were taking the message seriously. Then a group of soldiers started to head toward the car. "'All right,' said Ned. "'That's enough. "'Let's get going.' Suddenly a growing noise arose in the distance and the river began to swell even faster. The water was starting to spill over the top of the dam and would soon be in the street. Ned knew the flood was coming. Chapter 46 Ned immediately drove the car back upstream. We're going the wrong direction, said Lisa emphatically. We need to get up that hill, said Ned, and motioned with his hand to the left. There was a traffic circle ahead, but Ned crossed the wrong side of the highway, drove past a convenience store, and turned left on an unpaved street. It went uphill steeply. Ned was glad to see that the soldiers were also evacuating the area, hastened by the rumble of the raging water. He drove the car through a maze of streets going uphill until he found a high point with an open view. Why did we stop? asked Lisa. I want to see it, said Ned, getting out of the car. See what? asked Lisa. I want to see the flood. Come on. Ned moved to the side of the road where Lisa and Kevin joined him and then pointed down at the river. You see there? Ned pointed. That's the dam. And there, Ned pointed again, this time upstream. That's where the water will come. He was like a narrator telling a story that everyone already knew. Then, just as Ned was lowering his hand, they could all see the water charging down the river valley. The raging water looked more like a cloud at first, with mist pouring out around the edges. But as it moved closer, there was no mistaking the motion of water. There it is, shouted Ned. When the water reached the dam, it immediately poured over it, and the sound of bending steel and shattering concrete seemed like a gentle whisper compared to the awesome sound of the raging water. All of the low-lying areas, including the area the CLA had been using as their command center, were now under several feet of water. They could see that many of the soldiers had been swept away. Will the water recede now? asked Lisa. I don't expect so, said Ned. It'll take at least an hour for most of the water to move through, and it'll probably crest in about half that time. I'm guessing, but I think it'll rise another few feet before receding. Lisa shook her head and looked away. Ned tried to imagine her grief. "'He knew that she was acquainted with many of the soldiers "'and that this had always been her home. "'What about the restaurant?' "'Ned thought for a moment and remembered the cook. "'The water will reach there,' said Ned, "'gently placing a hand on Lisa's shoulder. "'But Jorge should be fine. "'It would only rage around the river "'and it shouldn't be deep enough for him to drown, "'even if he can't swim.' "'Ned looked back out over the river. "'You might need to rebuild.' "'No,' said Lisa.' I'm never coming back here." Then she turned to Ned and held him tightly as her tears started to flow. By now, a small crowd of people had begun to gather. Ned, Lisa, and Kevin were all still dressed like CLA soldiers, but they also had a prisoner in the back of their car, which might draw too much attention. "'All right,' said Ned. It's time to go." They returned to the car and Ned slowly drove the back streets to the former CLA headquarters. There, they could meet up with Captain Smith and the El Paso Valley Militia. Chapter 47 It was still light when they rendezvoused with Captain Smith and the El Paso Valley Militia. An army helicopter picked them up before dusk to return to El Paso. By the time that their military flight to Austin had taken off, it was after ten o'clock. Captain Smith had filled Ned in on how the battle had gone, It had barely gotten started at the International Dam site when news of the flood caused Army Command to call back the American troops. For the El Paso Valley militia, the engagement over the CLA headquarters had gone swiftly. The warehouse buildings were almost entirely deserted of CLA military personnel, as most of their forces were attempting to hold the border. Smith reported casualties of only seven militiamen during the engagement. Once the blockage at the American dam site broke through, the United States Army easily took control of that location, as the CLA soldiers were in complete disarray. The international dam site was still flooded, but the American troops had held their lines nearby where the ground was still above flood level and were ready to take control of that area once the waters receded. Ned heard that the dam was taken without incident before he left El Paso. After the flood, the CLA was in total disarray, with no command structure to speak of, and there really wasn't much fighting. But the United States Army was steadily occupying every region of both El Paso and Juarez and planning on maintaining martial law until all hostilities had ceased. Alonzo was being moved to FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., where he would be held in custody until his commitment to testify against the CLA was completed. Ned, Lisa, and Kevin were all going to Austin to meet with Senator Andreas. The flight to Austin was quiet. Ned tried to sleep but couldn't. He found himself thinking more and more about Lisa and what she had lost. It was after midnight when the plane landed. Senator Andreas was waiting at the terminal and brought them into a private room at the airport. Don't get too comfortable, Ned, said the senator. Our flight to Washington leaves in an hour. Back to Washington already? asked Ned. That's right, said the senator. The president wants to pin medals on both of your chests. And he motioned toward Ned and Kevin. I could probably get one for you too, Miss Madero. I think I'll pass on the medal right now, said Lisa. If that's okay. That's just fine, said the senator. So, Ned, I have to tell you about the war. I heard about the battle in El Paso, said Ned. After the flood, there wasn't much left to do. No, Ned, not in El Paso. The rest of the fighting. The president was trying to keep it quiet up until now, but there have been multiple incursions into northern Mexico this evening. Multiple incursions? That's right, said the senator. And not just into Chihuahua, but into every northern Mexican state. He's used covert assets already in place and delivered special forces units to assist them. They've captured the seats of government in nine states and the president has issued an ultimatum to the government in Mexico City. Ned stood wide-eyed. What kind of ultimatum? He said that if their government wanted to maintain any autonomy, they would withdraw their federal troops to Mexico City or order them to surrender to our forces. It looks like they're mostly complying, but only time will tell how long it will take to secure all the territory we've claimed, even though the president is certain it will go quickly. What happens now, then? asked Ned. There will eventually be some kind of peace treaty with Mexico City. Anything less and the United Nations would be up in arms. But I'm pretty certain that the president wants to keep all of northern Mexico as United States territory. On top of that, the Mexican state of Yucatan has asked us to become a United States protectorate. Why would they do that? I think they think assimilation into the United States is inevitable, and if they come in early they might get a better deal. Regardless, any Mexican state that asks to be a part of the United States will probably be accepted. Wow, said Ned. I know, said the senator. Anyway, there's a nice restaurant here in the airport. Let me take you all to get something to eat before our flight. If you don't mind, senator, said Ned. I think I'd just like to sit for a while. The senator gave Ned a circumspect look. I could eat, said Kevin. The senator shifted his gaze from Ned to Kevin. What about you, Miss Madero? The senator said as he shifted his gaze once more. Lisa looked at Ned and then at the senator. I think I'll sit here with Ned. All right then, Mr. Hirsch, let's get going. The senator looked back at Ned and Lisa. I'll have the kitchen make you up some sandwiches. Thank you, Senator, said Ned as he sat down in a large padded armchair. Lisa sat down in the chair next to Ned as Kevin and Senator Andreas left the room. This was the first time they had been alone since the plane ride back to El Paso. Ned felt like time was passing slowly. It seemed like such a long time since they had returned to El Paso, but it was, in actuality, less than twelve hours. Now, their mission was completed, and it was a different world than the one they had left. So, Lisa, what are we going to do once all this has ended? asked Ned, still looking forward. I think maybe we should run away together, said Lisa. I hear that Puerto Rico is beautiful. She placed her hand on top of his. Marlene will be waiting for me. I should go back to her. Yes, you should. Ned turned to look at Lisa, and then he held her hand. Dueling Eagles Written by Chad Clabo Read by Derek Durlum. Produced by Studio Conundrum Copyright 2017 Chad Claybo